Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Friday night Bible studies. Good to see you folks there in the chat room tonight as usual. Appreciate your faithfulness very much. How you doing, Brother Dave? I'm doing very good, Pastor Don. Good, brother. It's good to talk to you today on the telephone as well. I appreciate the phone call, brother. Yes. As I was saying before the program started, I don't know how many came in since I made the comment, but I want to keep Brother David in prayer specifically this Sunday. I want you to zero your prayers in on his sister, Sister Laura. Brother Dave's going to have a chance to talk with her face-to-face personally since she's got out of the hospital and she's moving around now. So y'all pray that the Lord will open some doors where Brother Dave will have a chance to share the Word of God with her and confirm her salvation or whatever the Lord deems necessary for that time. Anyway, Brother Dave, if you would go ahead and open us in a word of prayer, brother. Father, we come tonight in the name of Jesus, and we give thanks for the word. We give thanks for the blood of Jesus Christ that enables us to be vessels of the life of God, the Holy Spirit living in us, and and to be known as the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
and because of the blood of the Lamb. And Father, tonight I pray that that Holy Spirit that you've given through the blood of Jesus, that this Holy Spirit would teach us tonight the living Word of God and that it would become active in us and sharp in us and it would work towards the goal and the mark to which you've sent the Word, that it would whittle away at us and continue to help perfect us until the day of his coming or until the day we die. And, Father, I give thanks for that. And I pray that everyone within the sound of my voice, either in the chat room or downloading, who has a need and who's thinking about that need right now and who's asking the Lord to meet that need, Father, I pray that all those needs that you deem worthy to meet, that you would meet those needs tonight, Lord, and those that you deem not worthy to me. Do you let the people know why? And I give you thanks for this, Father. In the name of Jesus, so be it. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, the other night we spent about two hours going through um, part two of John chapter 20, and we got down to where we dealt with the new body. Now, we're going to go to um, Luke 24 in just a second because I want to add on. Luke adds something in there that I mentioned the other night. We went and dealt with the resurrection and the great chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where Paul talks about the new body there as well as the other places that it's mentioned in the New Testament. And we and I made where it, where it says in 1 Corinthians 15, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I separated the blood from the flesh. I want to show you why I did that when we go to Luke 24. A lot of people, if you don't know what Luke reveals in chapter 24, then you might have a doubt, well, yeah, it's flesh, but the, the stuff that I was saying is going to be a natural body. Kind of like when I say natural, I'm not talking about the natural old fleshy sinning body, but it'll be a fleshy body. Paul explains that in 1 Corinthians 15. And I want to show you something else about this flesh and blood business right now. We don't have but just a few more verses in John 20. So we're going to go down through here, and then we're going to Luke chapter 24. And when we finish this deal about the new body and the, fle and the flesh and bones, which you will have, just like Jesus Christ, but it, there won't be any blood going in the circulatory system. All right? There will be a supernatural body but no blood going through the circulatory system. It's been speculated by some of the brothers that, that teach the same thing that I teach on this, that it'll be the Holy Spirit, it'll be the Spirit of God that goes through our veins then. I don't know. I've seen some scripture on it. I'm not all that, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that I could teach it as doctrine, but it's a speculation. So I just wanted to mention that. But anyway, Brother Dave, if you would, just start back at verse 29. There's only 31 verses in, uh, in John. So let's finish John out, and then we'll go to Luke chapter 24. Okay. Uh, John 20, verse 29. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Amen. Amen. 
Here in verse 29, the Lord talks about these people that are more, will be more blessed because they're going to believe by faith. In other words, we, Jesus was talking about us here, just like he mentioned us in his prayer in John chapter 17, in the Lord's prayer in John 17. When the first part of it, he talks about the Father, then he talks about it, the apostles, then he talks about us. He's prayed for us before we were even in the flesh. 2,000 years of history so far, praying on the ones that should believe hereafter. And here he's saying, we're blessed because we believe and have not seen. That's true faith, is believing in something you don't see. As it says in Hebrews chapter 11, where it defines what faith is. Faith is all through the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. Three times it's mentioned. Paul mentions it in Romans chapter 1, Galatians. He mentions it in Galatians 4. And he also mentions it in Hebrews. The just shall live by faith. Well, here we're going to go to Luke chapter 24, and I want to deal some more with the body, just to bring up what I was talking about. And let's see, the other night I made the statement that in the new body, at the resurrection, in eternity, you'll be able to go wherever you want to go, do whatever you want to do, have the full mind of Christ, not worry about sinning, be able to eat what you what you whatever you wanted to eat. Now that eating may have brought up some ideas in folks that said, "What's he talking about eating?" Well, you're by, we're fixing to go and read about that. Now I'm not saying you'll have to eat in a new body. I'm just saying you'll be able to. Every there won't be any locks and keys on our body and on our mind. And once we get the new body. And it's because of the DNA rewrite. Sin is totally gone out of the body. It dwells in the body now. It won't dwell in the body in eternity after the new, when you get the new body. You know it dwells in the body because of Romans 7, like I've taught over and over and over again. So let's go to John 24, brother. And I want you to um, start at verse 29, I think it is. Yeah, verse 29, and read down through... Um, 39 and read through verse 42, okay? And let's let's see what uh, Brother Luke has to say about this. Okay, I'll start at the paragraph marker, verse 28. And they drew, drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Okay, here the Lord, this is on the road to Emmaus, with Cleopas and the other disciple that he met on the road to Emmaus. And here he sets down to eat with them. Here, this is not the specific verse. We're going to get to that in just a second. But this, he was sitting down to eat, and they didn't even recognize him. They asked him all these questions. You know, they talked with him on the road, and when he sat down to meet, and when he broke bread and prayed, they recognized who it was. Now let's go for, on further down, brother. Okay? Yes. In John 24. Mm-hmm. I mean Luke 24, excuse me. Yes. Luke 24, verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? And while he opened to us the scriptures, 
And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And here here the Lord goes. He starts off with this, this in Luke's account here. Peace be unto you. I went over that peace. We did it two programs ago. But see, unless you go and compare all the Gospels, the uh, this this certain Luke, what he writes down, see, adds on a little more than John did. So continue on, brother. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that is, I myself, handle me, and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. So he has flesh and bones, but no flesh and blood. Hence the correlation, that the statement Paul makes in 1 Corinthians 15, no, no, nobody, the flesh and blood, cannot inherit the kingdom of God in the glorified body, but flesh and bone can. And you can eat as well. Continue on, brother. See about that. And when he had thus spoken, he shewed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of an honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. You go. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You'll be able, that's part of something to look forward to, being able to partake in some of the things that you partook of here in this life, except never having to worry about a contradiction in the spirit with a natural against the, with the inward man against the outward. There won't be any more of that battle going on. There won't be, be any more battle of conscience. Not for you. That's how special you are, the elect of God. Kings and priests going to rule and reign will set in judgment on the angels. How could you set in judgment on, it's, it Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, Know ye not, ye shall judge the world. How could you set in judgment on some more saints dealing with their salvation later on in the future if you had sin dwelling in you? You couldn't which goes to prove exactly what I'm trying to teach you guys. This is what you need to think about. That's how wonderful the glorified body is. Know ye not, Paul says in the same chapter, ye shall judge angels. See, then we'll be able to sit in those judgment seats like in Psalms 82, like I told told you the other night. You will replace the divine counsel in the congregation of Psalms 82. The elect, that's the position they will hold. Now, how many programs did you hear this kind of thing? That, that, that said. Now, that's what the Scripture says, folks. That's not hyperbole or guessing. Everything leans that direction. Sitting in a judgment seat. No, you're not. You'll judge the world and judge angels. 
So what judgment seat could it be? He tells the disciples, you're going to sit in the, in the seat uh, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He tells the apostles that earlier here in John. Did you forget about that one? This is not made up stuff. This is solid, rock solid Bible doctrine. Rock solid. So don't forget that. Continue on, Brother Dave. Let's go and go ahead and go on down through here just a little bit. Then we're going to the book of Revelation. And, well, just go ahead and keep on reading. Verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. I presume now I'm reading this into the text, okay? This is what I'm fixing to say. I assume, you know, back in John 20, it says, and he breathed on them the Holy Ghost. You remember that, Brother Dave? Yes. I, I, I assume, isogetically, that when they, when he, it says he opened their understanding, that's exactly when the Holy Ghost was breathed into them, then opened their understanding of the Scriptures. And that's why Paul says what he does in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Does that make sense to you, Brother David? Yes, uh, the... the... The treatise there in John is about the same um, time as this here occurrence that Luke is writing about. It's the same event. Absolutely. And John and John just talked about the, him breathing the Spirit, whereas Luke didn't mention it. No. But he is indirectly mentioning it by saying that he opened their understanding. Well, of course, because if you connect what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Then you can tie it together. Do you understand that? Absolutely. Without the Spirit of God in you, there is no understanding of the Scripture. I've been screaming this for four years, folks. If you don't, if you don't get this, this is sound Bible doctrine. This is not opinion. This is backed up by the Scripture comparing precept with precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. How would you get, say, well, how in the world would you come across that? It's through study. And it's by not destroying the Word of God and not doubting the words of God. It's taking, I'm going to carry you through in just a second and show you something else. And it's because I, you take the word Spirit and Holy Spirit and run all the references on it all through the Scripture, and you see the context and what takes place in those contexts then you come to the doctrine. That's what I'm teaching you, okay? In just a few minutes, we're going to deal with the second coming and our coming back with the Lord. If, if that is, if you die. If you don't, you'll be caught up together and meet him in the clouds. We're going to run reference on the clouds and the windows of heaven and see what context they show us. See, you destroy the words you destroy the context in the precept with precept. That's how important it is. See, it's not about a message. It's not about a, I think this ought to be there. You. That's why the Lord over and over again mentioned it the other night, mentioned it probably every other program for the last four years. 
There are three warnings in the Word of God not to mess with the words. W-O-R-D-S, not a message, not a thought, not an idea, not a doctrine. The words. That's how important it is. So if you would, Brother Terrence, go, go to Second Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 4, I think it is. And let's read the first. Um, I'll show you all how to come up with this now. We're going to deal with clouds, okay? Now, first of all, go. I'm sorry, brother. Turn to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Mm-hmm. Okay. Matthew 24. Start reading at verse 30. I think it. Yes. Okay. Just start reading at verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds okay. of heaven. Is this the second coming? Is, is that pretty plain? That's the precept. That's what he's talking about, his second coming. Is that what it yes. says, brother? Absolutely. Okay. It says he's going to come with the clouds, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Okay. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Okay. And start reading in verse 10 through verse 11. Acts chapter 1, verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward the heaven, toward heaven, as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. How much plainer do you have to get? Exactly the way he went up. How did he go up? He went up in the clouds, folks. Continue reading, Brother Dave, just a little bit, then go to First Thessalonians chapter 4. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. So when he comes back, where's the first place he's going to come to? Mount Olivet. Go to First Thessalonians chapter 4, brother. Start reading okay. in verse 15. Mm-hmm. 15 through 18. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Bingo. You meet, you meet uh, in the clouds. Context, second coming. How do you know? The angels flat out told the disciples, the same way he goes up is the same way he's going to come down. The Lord mentioned the sign of the Son of Man coming in the clouds. 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 Not in a spaceship. Not this BS out there, not just appearing on the ground somewhere, but in the clouds. In the clouds. Turn to Matthew 26, brother. And let me, sh- and let me show you the leaders of, the, of that day knew. They knew this reference to riding in the clouds because this is what got our Lord killed and he knew it. 
He knew when he said what he's fixing to say that it was Katie barred the door for him because he is the cloud rider. That's how important the word, the simple word clouds are. Chapter 26, brother, verse 64. Okay. Verse 64. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Keep on reading. Watch what happens. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? There Behold. You, there you go. He's the cloud. They, they rent their clothes. They pitched a fit. This got him killed. Why? Did this get him killed? Turn to Daniel 7, brother. Yes. Because he is talking, he is saying he's the fulfillment of what we're fixing to read here from the prophet Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, start reading in verse 10. Verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth Back from up a little bit him. more, brother. Back up a couple of verses above that and we'll get the context here. Okay. Where it says, I saw the ancient of days. Uh, okay. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. God the Father, garment, just keep this in mind. God the Father, go ahead, brother. Whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. All right. The context, the context is shifted from the God the Father in the clouds. Multitude stood before him 10,000 times 10,000 outside of time and space. Now the context goes back to the Antichrist, the man of sin, in verse 11. Continue reading, brother. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Okay, keep those words burning flame in mind for the, to the next place we're going to go to. Fire, keep that in mind. The destroying of the little horn, keep that in mind, all right? That's the, this is the context, what's being talked about here. This is the way you study Scripture, folks, and come to a doctrine. Continue on, brother, verse 12. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. I saw in the night visions, and, behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. Stop right there. They... There's two different entities. He comes with the clouds of heaven, those clouds. Do away with the clouds, you wouldn't have the reference, folks. Mess with the words, you lose the solid reference. In the clouds of heaven, and he came to the ancient of days. One's God the Father, 
The other is the cloud rider, or God himself manifest in the flesh. That's the cloud rider. In Matthew 26, he claims to be the cloud rider. He's quoting Daniel 7, and that's the reason those priests, threw, they rent their clothes and pitched a fit because he claimed to be the cloud rider of Daniel 7. He made himself equal with God is what he did because he is. Now go to First Thessalonians, I mean Second Thessalonians chapter 2, brother. Okay. Now remember what I showed you back here about the little horn being destroyed in the flames. Let's see about those flames. See where they come from. Second Thessalonians 2, brother. Okay, verse 1. Doesn't matter. Just you, just start reading. It's all good. Go ahead and start reading it. Verse 1. The whole context is about the second coming. Go ahead. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. There's your little, there's your little horn. That's the one of Daniel 7 that's going to get destroyed. Watch it, brother. Continue on. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, shewing himself that he is God. All, Daniel chapter 11 talks all about it. Verse 11 and 12 here in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. You can read all about it in detail in Daniel chapter 11. Continue reading, brother. Remember ye not that when I was, with, was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. Okay, that word let is Old English for prevent or, with, or withhold. Okay, that's what that word let means. It's still used today at every tennis tournament that you, you folks that watch TV and watch tennis tournaments, whenever they say, they use the word let, they're using an old English word, means the same thing, to withhold, hold back, okay? Prevent. That's what he's talking about. And whoever that, whatever that he is, whoever it is that holds back, it's either an angel that does it or it's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's debatable. You can go both ways with it. I ain't never heard anybody that had a satisfactory answer for me on it, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Continue on, brother. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Okay, watch it now. Go ahead. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. 
And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay, that's good enough right there, brother. Folks, you take the second coming context here, along with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, with Matthew 24, Luke 24, not Luke 24, but Mark 13, Luke chapter 17, and Luke chapter 21, with the references to it in the Old Testament, in Daniel the prophet that spoke about this, all this stuff, about the second coming, the things that lead up to it, everything, the apostasy, the great deception, all this is when you get the context, you put the context together. Some of the context you can't find if you don't run references on the words. We're sticking with clouds here. You say, well, it don't have to be that. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I've heard some of the folks out there try to change that word in one place, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, and it messes up the reference. It tried to say, oh, he's just talking about they're going to come together. He's going to come back, and the air is talking about the air, and the air is here on the earth, and we're really not going to get no, go up in the clouds to meet him. I've heard all that stuff. That stuff comes by wanting to change the word of God to try to prove some Judeo, to try to prove, disprove the pre tribulation rapture when they all leave it alone. Because the rapture's plain in the Bible, just not the pre-tribulation rapture. We're going to check that out shortly. Okay? The cl- that word clouds is it, you. You have that's not just that's just one example. What I'm doing is giving you example of finding doctrine. I've done this many many times before, but the repetition should get it in your head. So where when you're studying, you'll understand. You'll understand these things. There's something about those clouds. There's got something to do with those clouds. Not only, it's not figurative. It's not figurative. And I'm going to, and because I'll show you the importance of it when we get over into the book of Revelation in a few seconds. How important it is. Because you can't tie the doctrine I'm trying to teach you together without that word being there. Either in the singular or the plural. You couldn't have found the cloud rider if you didn't understand... And, and understand what ticked off the high priest so much, and he was killed right after he made that statement. You wouldn't be able to tie that doctrine together. Clouds. Keep it in mind. Write it down. Put it off to the side as we continue on here. Let's see one more thing about somebody flying in the air. Turn to Isaiah 60, brother. Okay. Just out of nowhere, we're going to start re- just start reading in verse 1 down to verse 6. I want you to watch how the context starts off, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this is the way Isaiah writes, folks. All of, a sudden, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he pulls a verse on us in verse 6. I've t- taken you there before. We're going to look at it again because it's got to do with the clouds. Start reading in verse 1, brother. Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and great gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, 
and kings to the brightness of thy rising. <coughs> Excuse me. Lift up thine eyes round about and see. All they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy sons shall come from from far, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. The multitude of camels shall cover thee. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall shew forth the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister unto thee. They shall come. You, I must have gave you a wrong reference, brother. It must not be 60, verse 6. It's Maybe it's 61, verse 6. Okay. 61, verse 6. But ye shall be named the priests no, of that's the not, Lord. That, that's not it. It'll start with a question. Who are these that fly through the air to their windows and in the oh, clouds? Okay. That's yeah. just a paraphrase of it. Um. Okay. I'll have to look it up on my... Well, no, I won't look up nothing because my computer's messed up. You'll have to pull it up, I guess, on... Uh, uh, the... 60 verse 8. Okay, we'll continue reading. Uh, yeah. I almost had it right. Two verses yes, you off. did. All, um, verse 8. Who are these that fly as, cl- as a cloud and as the doves to their windows? Who are... And, and see, you see how out of place that verse is? He's not talking about that. So all the flocks of Kedar, talking about the Gentiles coming, doing this, that, and the other. I've heard some of the brethren talk about this is talking about us and everything, and they'll go down through here and read right on through that verse and go down through and keep trying to push the Anglo-Israel message, which it's here. But that, but that one verse right there, it just didn't get put down for no reason, folks. Read verse 6 again, brother. Verse 8. Yeah, verse Who are these? Me. I got I got yeah. six in my brain. Okay. Who are these that fly as a cloud and as the doves to their windows? To their windows, as the doves in the clouds. Okay. Read the next verse, brother. It's there's a, a verse. Mark. Yeah, there's a verse that says that in Hebrews that. We have so great a cloud of witnesses. Amen, brother. I started to I started to go there, but I, I okay. said no. Nah, would you? but that's okay. Read the next verse, verse nine. Certainly, surely the isle shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish first to bring thy sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them unto the name of the Lord, thy God. You see, what the you, you see how the context changes, and that's just a throwaway. I, I speak reverently. You see what I mean by a throwaway verse, Brother Dave? Yes, it's it's kind of, let's set this aside if you wanted to understand the context. That's that's what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the prophets spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, folks. This, did get, this is in every version, okay? So don't think it's not. It's, it, and, it's, and it's important. It's important to keep your doctrine together. 
Who are these that fly? What windows is he talking about? What is, is it figurative? See, this is where they can't understand. They'll start, well, it's just allegorically speaking. No, he's talking about somebody flying in the air, somewhere or another, in the clouds, to some kind of windows. Context above, context below, ain't got nothing to do with what we're, what we're talking about. Go to Genesis chapter 9, brother. Okay. So these, so there's windows involved here with these clouds. I think it's Genesis 9. Let me get there myself where it starts off talking about in Genesis 9 where he shuts down the flood. Okay. Isn't that Genesis 9? I'm asking you. Yeah. It's I do set my bow in the cloud. Now let me get And it that. shall be for a token of a covenant. Maybe That's eight and God... No, chapter 8, brother. I'm sorry. Oh. That's part of it in Jen, but I, I'm hitting on a specific part right here. Okay. 8, verse 1. Okay. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountain also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped. And so, the rain. There you go. The, the, the windows of heaven were stopped. The fountains of the deep were stopped. What in the world is he talking about? I hear a lot of the brethren, they'll talk about the fountains of the deep. There was water under the earth, and it blah, 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 blah. But turn around and mention the windows, and they'll start ho hollering allegory. Why would you do that? You think it's when allegorical in three words? There's windows in heaven. There's windows in that firmament, folks. So if there's windows there, you just have some folks flying. Whatever is that going on in Isaiah 6, going up in the clouds, going to these windows. Reckon that's got anything to do with those clouds it talks about at the second coming and here's the, you've got to have a, if there is a firmament, and the scriptures say there is, how are you going to get through it? Seems like to me there would be some ways in and out. Do you know that there was a man killed for thinking it was allegorical? Did you know that? That there was a man killed, he was, right, he was killed because he did not believe there was windows in heaven. He laughed at it. You remember us reading that before, Brother Dave? Yes, I do. Go read it for them real quick. Because there's probably some new people in here who's never heard any of this before. Okay. Uh, in Second Samuel, Second Samuel chapter 20, it's 25 or 28. It's whenever the siege is going on and they're, um, they don't have nothing to eat on the inside. And some guy says, well, we'll have something to eat if there'll be windows in heaven. He's laughing about it. And then he gets killed in the um, in the horde of people rushing out to get the food the next day. That's in Second Samuel twenty five or twenty eight, I believe. Okay. It's in Samuel somewhere. Mm -hmm. I checked the windows in Second uh, Samuel, and nothing came up in Samuel at all. But windows. That's it's not window though. Look at that. 
we've we've read it before. Yes, I remember reading it. I can't even get to think. Oh, here we are, Second Samuel six sixteen. Uh, okay, Sec- chapter six. So start reading above. Oh no, we'll that's read. not it. No, sorry. Uh, it does say window, but it's different. I would have sworn it was in 25 or 28. Maybe 1 Samuel. Pull back up my concordance if I can get my computer to work. Oh, I'm sure Brother Kevin's probably looking for it too. Yes. Windows in heaven only shows up in Second Kings. Oh, Second Kings. Okay, Second Kings twenty-five or twenty-eight, brother. Uh, okay. Should have caught on to that. Chapter seven is what it's okay. But, okay, yeah. I missed that chapter. Bad. Go to chapter seven. Thank you, brother Kevin. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And it came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying. Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that the Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord shall make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. You see, so, the king the king is this way. You, 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 that verse he just read prior to that is him making fun is what's going on. Yeah, in the next verse it says, And so it fell out unto him. That's right. For the people trod upon him in the that, gate. That's exactly died. right. That's how close you have to read the Scriptures, folks. That's, it's right there. It's right there. This guy gets killed because he didn't believe it. And the Lord just shows him. And he's done told you, number one, and turn to Isaiah 24. Okay. Give you the last reference on talking about those windows again. Isaiah 24, I forget exactly what verse it's in. It's down around verse 16, brother, I believe. Mentions those windows in heaven again. But there, folks, if, 24. There's, yep. if there's firmament there, there's got to be a way in and out. That's common sense. Well, God can do it. Don't give me none of that pious allegorical talk. We're biblical literalists. Then if the doctrine's true, it must show up in the Scriptures more than one time and give the inference by the context that it's true. Well, that's what we did. He just shut them up to keep the water from coming down. Remember, water's above and water's below in Genesis chapter 2. There was waters above the heaven and below. Well, he shuts those windows that the water came through from above. He shuts them up in Genesis 8. Is this hard to follow, Brother Dave? Can you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. I can follow it and agree fullheartedly. But for people who don't understand that there's a firmament, and the firmament means a vault, right? and that there's windows and gates in that vault, then they might be a little bit lost, but they should be able to see that there's at least a window of some kind. Yeah, 
I mean, there has to be. <laughs> it's talking about them. I mean, they're there, and it's easy to visualize if you understand that the earth has a vault over it. And see, this, you see, folks, this is, this is following the scriptures from creation all the way through. You see, when it talks about, and, and, I'm, and I know if we went through every verse, you would be here for three hours. Longer than that. It's just because I know what the scriptures say. I know the story. I know what it portrays from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. I know the story of the book. But if you only, if you only came in and you've read a few verses here or, follow, or tried to follow somebody just talked about one subject, you'll never understand what I'm saying. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need to study. You have to study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, Second Timothy two fifteen. You come in here and you're gonna be lazy and you're gonna slide through by just like I said, picking up a certain subject. Oh, I like that subject he talks about, and set on your bohonkas. You're gonna get deceived. You're gonna get took for a ride. Those commandments about this book are not there by chance. It's not by chance that the big W word is the little du- and the little W word are intertwined to where you can't separate them. It's not by chance. And it's not by chance you can't love one without loving the other. Because the only way you find out the, about the big W word is through the little W word. That's all you have. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. That's why some of the stuff that I teach seems strange to some folks. It's because you've never been from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 on a continuous basis. You wouldn't know the whole context of the Word of God with a context machine, except for what you've heard somebody say. That's why it sounds strange. When I tell you that this book, that salvation is only a side note. This book is about a king, his queen, and his people, a kingdom. That's what it's about. The whole book, that's what it's about. And all the side notes that go with it. But that's the main gist of the book. God is a whole lot more pleased with the day his son rules and reigns, which he was intended to do from the get-go, and his rightful people take their place, which they were meant to do from the get-go. He's more concerned with that than he was the day that wicked men murdered his son. Why do you think he turned his back and allowed it to happen? See, if you understand what I'm saying, you understand the, ver- the verses, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Then you understand that. But if you don't have the wherewithal and the Spirit of God dwelling in you to study and learn the book from cover to cover, to understand the context from cover to cover, you might as well find somewhere else and just, you'll be rolling the dice to whether you're deceived or not. You'll be rolling the dice. You might look up 
somewhere down the road and get with somebody that just tells you the truth and backs up everything they say with the words of God? You might. But you need to be like a Berean and check it out because let God be true and every man a liar. That's why I hound my listeners all the time not to believe a word I say. But you go check it out. But you check it out in the correct way of studying. Don't go checking out what somebody else said. It must be wrong. Somebody else said. I don't want somebody else to say other than the Spirit of God using his book to convince you. Now, if he convinces you just the opposite from something I taught, that's fine. If it's the Spirit of God. That's fine. That's what I want you to do. Go to Revelation, brother, and let's continue this story. Okay. Tonight, we're not, we're not going to... Do you want it. me to read this here verse, Isaiah twenty four eighteen? Oh, yes, yes. Go ahead, brother. Let's hit one more thing on the windows business. Yes. I don't know how and many witnesses it takes to have to tell you that there's something up there's a firmament. If, duh, if there's a firmament and it tells you what it is, go look it up in Hebrew any way you want to look it up. Go to the Septuagint. Look, I don't care where you go. It's there. Now, if it's just what it says it is, then there has to be a way in and out. Common sense, scriptural common sense dictates it. I just, I'm showing you the way it's in and out. There's going to be a time when the Lord rolls it all up and the, and the eternal is everywhere. There won't be no laws of entropy. There won't be no laws of thermodynamics like it is now inside this closed system. See? In a closed system, there can energy cannot be created nor destroyed. That's the first law of thermodynamics. The second law of thermodynamics is everything degenerates. I'm giving it to you in simple terms, folks. In a closed system... The second law dictates that everything degenerates. That civilizations rise and fall. It doesn't say civilizations rise. I'm just giving you an example. Without a con the only exception, and I've said this a million times, and I'll say it a million more, the only exception to the second law of thermodynamics is the Spirit of God that renews the inward man Day by day. That's what the Scripture says. Unless the Holy Spirit renewed that inward man, he would pass away just like the outward man. That's why you're sealed to the day of redemption by that Spirit of God. Go ahead and read it, brother. I'll stay on that for okay. the next hour. And it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he that cometh up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare. For the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. And that's right at the second coming, folks. Those windows are going to open up. And there's somebody going to be flying in them clouds and going through and coming out of those windows. Now, you've got the pit there. Say, so, oh, that's just an allegorical statement he's trying to... Oh, go blow it out your nose and go somewhere else if that's what you think. You got a pit and you got windows, both of them literal. You believe the bottomless pit? You believe that the angels that sin are bound there? 
That's what the scriptures say. Well, if it's literal, how can, like, again, I, I present to you, how can you make one literal and the other one allegorical in the same stinking sentence? You can't. What was you going to say, David? I was just going to say that when you come and you study and read God's Word, you're going to have to come to a conclusion that you are going to either believe God and His Word, or you're going to believe man and his science falsely so-called, you're either going to approach God's Word and try and make God's Word fit your understanding of science that you currently have, or you're going to come to God's Word and say, it's infallible, it can't be changed, it's always true, and if my science doesn't fit God's Word, then my science has got to go. It turns into the God. It, it replaced, that's what has happened, folks. And you wouldn't even have the warning. See, the word science is only mentioned twice in the Word of God. In Daniel chapter 1 and in 1 Timothy chapter 6. So only two places it's mentioned. In 1 Timothy 6, you couldn't miss it with a missing machine. Paul warns you about it. Science, falsely so-called. Real science, nothing in the world wrong with it. Not if you come up with something that can be experimented with, and you come up with you, and and the and the proof you come up with can be replicated over and over again. We left that a long time ago, folks. Everything they're talking about that science now is nothing but philosophical. It's it's philosophy from the unregenerate spirits of lost men. That's what it is. Built upon mathematical theories, they come up with the math and then the false math, and they build everything upon the false theories. And some of it is coming down. It's just like I talked about before the program started. About the They, get, they say, oh, according to mathematics, ever so far, then the curvature of the earth, such and such, you're going to have this much curve. That was di that's been disproven so many times. And you know what? Instead of dealing with it, They'll go to another subject. It's called circular reasoning. It's insanity. It's what it is. The mathematics is dreamed up if it can't be replicated and proved over and over again. Experimentation and replication. The, the, what you've got, you've got to be able to replicate it with independent sources over and over again. That's why there's a divide in real science. Because this crazy evolution crap, it goes against every law that was been set down for the previous 6,000 years. And if you think man's mind is getting better, you've got another thought coming. If you think we're getting better, look over how do you like your world. Everything. Your whole life, everything going on, the, this, this book controls it all. It is this, this, this enclosed universe we're in is ruled by this book, whether it likes it or not. You say, well, science is going to prove the Bible. Yeah, hey, the Bible won't be wrong. I don't care what real, if real science was to come up with something and say, this is empirically replicated and proved over and over again, it wouldn't prove the Word of God wrong. You know what it proved wrong? It proved your inter you were wrong or I was wrong by our interpretation of the Word of God. That's what happened with, the, with about the curvature of the earth and all that stuff. That's what happened with our people. They took man's word for it. 
Because the scripture is absolutely clear. So they start, well, he, that would, then when he talked about the circle of the earth in Isaiah 42, he was talking about the, the round part of the earth. It's God's, a footstool don't have a circle, it's not a circle, a ball. A footstool has got rectangular corners. You ever stop to think about that? That's what he says in Isaiah 42. If you stop to think about that, Brother David, a footstool is not like a ball rolling around here and there and everywhere. Hmm. What kind Absolutely. of footstool would it be? Footstool would it be if you put your feet on something and just rolled around all the time? See, that's yeah. just common simplicity. That's simple thinking, folks. Right. And right here in this verse we just read, it talked about foundations of the earth do yeah. shake. That's right. Balls uh, that are floating around out in space, spinning around, don't have foundations holding them up. Folks, well, since the very beginning, until this, this science started getting footholds in the 1500s, ever since the very beginning, people believed that there was something in the center of the earth, okay? Bible believers believed in Abraham's bosom, okay? Bible believers believed that there was something underneath their feet because the Scriptures said so. And so you telling me that you can come up with some mathematics that just come out of some philosophical head and say this is the standard of mathematics. Now everything we can use these mathematics to prove there's nothing there. Come on, give me a break. Use your brain for something. Okay? We've all been deceived at one time. Until I re hey, I did the same thing, folks. I fell into the same trap. I'm guilty. But when I went, when I was shown the truth, I, re I repented publicly, admitted I was wrong, and took back everything I said that had to do with that specific subject. Did I not, Brother David? Yes, yes. And will continue to be that way. Go to Revelation, Brother, chapter 9. And I've got, okay. my, um, I've got to step away for just a second. Just start reading in verse 1, my air conditioner's tore up. i got to step away for a second. Okay. The book of Revelations, chapter 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Where are you at, Heard brother? You I'm back on. now. Where are you, what verse are you in? Let me get there myself. Verse, verse 4. Okay, let me get there myself. Well, the reason we're going to Revelation, folks, what I'm going to do is try to speedily, I'm going to run you. This is specifically for some of my new listeners is the reason I'm doing this, okay? We're going to go through right on out into eternity, Okay. We're, first of all, I want to talk about that meeting in the clouds. We're going to get to that in just a second. Of I told you the other night that I would go and I would show you when I believe we're caught up to be with the Lord. 
We know that it's what it says in Matthew 24, immediately after the tribulation of those days. See, we was going to get to there in a second, but I went ahead and went on to Revelation because in Revelation, the, the Scriptures three gives three different instances. There's three different trips through the whole period of time. You read what is in the past, you read what's in the present and what's in the future. That's the way the book of Revelation is set up. John tells you that. When the Lord talked to John and said he was going to write down what thou hast seen, what's going on at the present time, and then what's in the future. That's the way you have to come to the book of Revelation. You cannot, you cannot, well, I say you can't. If you want to know the truth, you've got to approach it like the book, like the words of God said to approach it. You've got to keep that in mind. Some of the things will be passed. And that's the reason when we get to the book of Revelation, starting in verse 1, we're going to teach the book of Daniel right along with it because the two go hand in hand. Anyway, what I was saying, this, and you've, got the, you've got the vials, the trumpets. Let's see, what's the other plague that comes? It's the vials and the trumpets, and what's that other one, brother? I forget. The, the uh, Oh, shoot, the vials, the trumpets, and... Uh, Oh, it's slipping my mind because I'm not, I'm turning through the scriptures right now. Let me get over there. I'm ashamed now. What we're going to run into it three times, it's going to use three different sets of judgment. There's three different types of judgment, folks, that's going to go on, okay? But we're going to start in verse 9, chapter 9, and... I'll just mention some things as we go through here. We're headed to verse to chapter 11, to where I deal with when... My, that's my opinion about being caught up, and when we get there, I'll explain to you why. Just go ahead and start reading, brother. Okay, at verse 9? No, in chapter 9. Just started. Okay, again. yeah. Oh, at verse 1. Yeah, we're headed... Okay. So we're, we're starting in chapter 9. We're going to go through to chapter 11, okay? Okay. That's where we're headed. But I'm going to go ahead... I'm, I'll make some comments if you go down through here. Go ahead. Certainly. Uh, just before we start, uh, the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from, I've read this uh, just a moment ago, I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now we look at Revelations, uh, in Revelations chapter 1, there were seven stars who were seven angels. Remember, we, we, I just wanted to say this because some people might think, oh, those guys are nuts. Uh, those angels are, are stars, stars are angels. Revelations chapter 1, the seven uh, churches had seven stars who were seven angels. And here we see an, uh, a star fall from heaven and unto the, unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless bit, pit. So this star is an individual, is a character, is a living being, a creature, an angel. In other words, what, what Brother David's talking about is he's letting the Scriptures interpret the Scriptures. The Bible tells, the Scriptures tell you that that star is an angel. Brother David just told you why. The, the book, he sets the precedent, says, okay, we're going to deal with stars, these stars, and in the context where they appear, if it talks about a ham, if, if it was to talk about a herd, it mentions star, talking about an, an individual, a creature. It's not talking about some gaseous light millions and billions of light years away. That's not what it's talking about. Yes. And the Scripture tells you that. In the context, if it talks about a twinkling light that's up in the firmament, that's a different ball game. 
even though the luminaries have some kind of sentience. Mm-hmm. We've went through that before. But that's letting the scriptures interpret the scriptures, folks. Instead of saying, well, he's, this, he's talking allegorically here about such and such happening in the political realm. B.S. Not if you're a biblical literalist. And if you're not, like I said before, click it off. Go somewhere that suits you, okay? But, you, I, but my recommendation is that you let the Word of God dictate that, not somebody's opinion. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Verse 2, And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. Okay, here's that pit it talks about in Isaiah chapter 24. Remember the pit and the windows in the same verse? Here's the pit. (laughs) Here's the pit. Go ahead, brother. Okay, and he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts, upon the earth and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power talks about it, this also and you've got cross references this to back to you can cross reference it back to joel okay you cross reference it back to the book of joel talks about an army continue on brother Dave. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Okay, let me say this very calmly. Yeah, when I get to the judgment seat of Christ, folks, and it's, this is the only way I can think. Maybe I'm just a simpleton, okay? May I, maybe I'm just a Bible-thumping old southern redneck heathen, all right? But when I get to the judgment seat of Christ, I'd rather the Lord judge me under the conditions that I believed exactly what his book said other than going into that judgment under the pretense that I could read in to the Scriptures and come up with any idea I wanted to come up with. Hadn't you, Brother David? Absolutely. Because, Uh, hey, you you think the Lord is going to slap you down for believing what he wrote, for believing his promises, that he preserved his word? Do you actually think for one second that the Lord is going to rebuke you or chasing you for believing what he said. I can't get any simpler than that. Brother Dave, if you can get simpler than that, go ahead and do it, but I don't think you can get any simpler than that. No, you said it all just fine, and you'll never have to apologize to God for believing what he said. Nope. No way. No way. Continue on, brother. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses, prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. You know, folks, back in the 70s, 
you had some of those um, people that had come out of the allegorical teachings and the historicist teachings of the past, and they tried to make these locust helicopters. Some of you folks probably remember it. Brother Dave, do you remember this? Yes. Talking about <laughs> yes, I remember that teaching. Uh, well, let me give let me explain to you what I said a while ago. Now, if you told everybody they were helicopters, and you got to the judgment, and you find out you're wrong, what would you be wrong for? Believing what God said or what He didn't say, Brother David? Uh, believing what He didn't say. That's correct. That's I'm just getting down there, dirty and simple, so you folks can understand where I'm coming from. Okay. They don't say helicopters. Well, it couldn't have said helicopters because they didn't know what a helicopter was back then. Folks, there's some places in the Word of God. You say, you know, you're talking out both sides of your mouth. No, I'm not. I've I, For four years, I've taught the same thing, folks. You take everything literal until it's impossible, until the context dictates that the Lord himself is speaking figuratively. Because in some places he does. He tells you when he's talking in parables. It tells you when it's an allegory. Paul says this is an allegory in Galatians. There's no doubt about what he's talking about. The context in the scripture dictate when you can take it as metaphorical or literal. No, I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. I'm talking scripturally according to the word of God. That's not my opinion. So continue on, brother. I'm going to leave that alone. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates, as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. Okay. <laughs> Oh, now just go on, brother. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. Okay, Apollyon. Abaddon, he's known many names throughout Scripture, folks. In typology, the very first mention, the very first human being that becomes a type of this person is Nimrod in Genesis. And from Nimrod, well, if you really want going to want to get technical, it's the Nakash that showed up in Genesis three. That, if you want to get technical, but you got Osiris. You got Nimrod all the way down through the scriptures. You got Sennacherib, Nebuchadnezzar. You got different types of men that's used as a type of this God, this little G God called Apollyon. And let, this is what I was going to say when I was laughing just a few minutes ago, folks. We have gotten so far away from the from literal interpretation. We've got so far away from the most supernatural event that ever took place in world history, which was the resurrection. Like I mentioned the other night, it's the most important. It is the foundation of your and my salvation. That's, I mean, uh, if you can't believe 
that the stone was rolled away and that Jesus Christ came back from the dead in three days and three nights. If you can't believe that, then you're, you have no part in salvation. That's part of, that is the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what gives you the righteousness of God. So let's just say, that, is that supernatural or not, Brother David? Is that a supernatural event? Yes, it certainly is. Okay, now for the first three centuries, all every one of the church fathers were biblical literalists, just like I'm teaching the way I teach you. If you don't, don't you take my word for none of that. You go check me out. You check out Irenaeus. Check out Polycarp. Check out Ignatius, Justin Martyr, Hippolytus. Check those out. I could I could sit right here and say, Brother Pete, am I telling them the truth or not? And Brother Pete's going to come on there and tell you absolutely yes. He's going through the early church fathers now, and he's relating some of it to, to some of it to me since I can't read anymore on um, audio on audio. But Brother Pete can answer that question. But I want you to check it out yourself. Don't take it from any man. Check it out yourself. Therefore, you can stand on it and not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine like Paul warns you about in 2 Timothy. Continue, Brother David. One woe is past, and I think that's what you meant by the three, the vials and and the woes, right? Yes, right. Okay. Woes One the woe, trumpets and the vials, brother. That's what it is. Yes. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. So this, this is so this event we just read about takes place at the end of the first woe. See, you you check out all the subject matter that took place during this woe. Okay. Now, the next time, what the next one we're going to pick up, you're going to hear a little bit that sounds like the same, but you're going to hear some totally different stuff. Well, that's some more, the, just like the Gospels. Just like I showed you what John wrote down in John's Gospel, then we went to Luke, and he recorded something the same, but added something to it. That's what's happening here in this whole revelation that the Lord gave John, folks. Three different trips. Through the time of Jacob's trouble, three different trips through it. Woes, trumpets, and vows. Okay? Next chapter, brother. Uh, verse 13, or go to the next chapter? Just go to the next chapter. Well, go okay. on, we'll finish out the chapter, brother, and then we'll go to chapter 10. Okay. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. Okay, the that, number... that angel is going to slay the third part of men. And oh my goodness, all the interpretations. What about World War II? See, I've heard that one. What about all the wars that's taken place? See, it's like I've told you over and over again. 
There's some scripture that has more than one fulfillment. That's not my opinion. I have given you the examples. The Lord gives you one right out of his own mouth. In the very in the very first gospel, when he reads so far in one verse, in one part of Isaiah, then slams the book. Why does he close the book at a comma, a semicolon? Because the other part is not supposed to be fulfilled till the very end. Peter, the same thing. In Acts chapter 2, I've given you the two witnesses. I don't care what man says about it. The scriptures dictate that I'm telling you the truth. There can be more than one fulfillment of scripture. There can be two, possibly a third in typology like I just got through telling you. You've got Nimrod all the way down through history with these great wicked leaders that do get so great then fall. They're types of what's coming in the end, folks. Continue reading, Brother Dave. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and then that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. He said, do you really believe that, Brother Don? That's, I believe every blessed word of it, and that's the way I'm going to teach it until the Lord shows me otherwise. I'm going to teach it literal, and if, hey, if I'm wrong, the Lord's not going to get on my back. I'm, I'm promised that in the Word of God. Because I'm supposed to live by the words of this book as much, I'm supposed to esteem the words of this book more than my necessary food. I would imagine that's pretty important. I said words. I didn't say no concept, message, or none of that junk. I said words, because that's what the book says. Continue, Brother David. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire, and by the brimstone, and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth, and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents, and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Look around you today, folks, and think about it. Devils, idols up here. Idols of gold and of silver, they're everywhere. Brother Dave just saw a lot of them this past Sunday, didn't you, Brother Dave? Yes, uh, the past Sunday, yes. Well, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. When I took my dad to a Catholic church, yeah, and I was standing in the church, and I seen all these, uh, you know, Illuminati Masonic symbols inside the church building on the walls. Okay, folks, the, the script, I've told, I, I showed you what the scripture said about idolatry. Don't you think this is... See, what Brother Dave saw saw are statues. Anybody knows that's an idol, okay? <laughs> Anybody does that believes the book. But the scriptures tell you more than that. See, not my opinion. 
We went to it the other night. Covetousness is idolatry. You read the definitions. You went to Strong's, didn't you, Brother David? Yes. Paul makes it plain that covetousness is idolatry. Do you imagine a lot of folks fall under this category of covetousness? Then they are idolaters. That's the scripture interpreting scripture. It said they're idols. They're covetous. If you put anything ahead of what you're supposed to put in the preeminent spot, it's an idol, folks. How can you, if you love anything more than you do the Lord Jesus Christ, if you put anything ahead of the preeminence of the Scripture, then you are an idolater. That's not my opinion. I wished it wasn't that way. And by their fruits you shall know them. You reap what you sow, look around you. And you wonder why the sickness, you wonder, we went to Deuteronomy 28, and went through all those plagues that the Lord was said would come upon his people if they didn't abide by what he said. And it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Next chapter, brother. I just wanted to remind everybody here that about what we just read in Revelations chapter 9, these creatures. Remember, uh, you know, some people said they, they could have been helicopters or whatever, <laughs> whatever. You know, that's not true. Let's just look at the word. Yeah, it's strange. These are weird creatures. But remember where they came from. In verse 2, it said, and he opened the bottomless pit. They came out of hell, out of Hades, chambers underneath the earth. And there are beings that live there. We're told there's creatures in the earth, on the earth, and above the earth. That's what the scriptures say. Brother David, it's so good. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I've got to say this. Folks, over and over, the scriptures tell you that. And And some of you folks have been talked out of believing what the book says. If it says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess of things in heaven and things on the earth and things under the earth, do you think the lava and the rocks and the lava and the crust and all that stuff is going to bow down? Do you think that's what he's talking about, honestly? If you do, more power to you. If you're that big of a spiritual idiot. Because the scriptures over and over talk about what Brother Dave just said. That's not our opinion. That's how easy it is to be picked up in a certain way and led astray, folks. When you start buying in to that junk, that's the way you'll get led. That's what will happen. And you won't even know what's happening. Now, if you can get so far away with just the allegorical mess going on, and God promised you to send a strong delusion that all them would be damned that believe not what, brother? What does it say? What did you just read a while ago? Because believe they not believe the not what? The truth. The truth. What does the Scripture say the truth is? The Word of God. Bingo. That's letting the Scripture interpret and dictate to you what the Scripture says, folks. What is truth? Thy Word is truth. Some of you is getting it. Okay? Some of you starting to get it now. 
Continue, Brother Dave. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I had to say that. That's just absolutely yes, empirically true. Absolutely. So if you so, go with the premises, <laughs> I say premises. If you go with the scriptures being true, and it tells you there's something under the earth that's going to have to bow down and worship him, then you see how the doctrine comes in about the three chambers under the under the earth and Abraham's bosom, all that stuff. You see how it molds together now, folks? You, you see what I'm talking about? It should yes. be plain as day. Go ahead, Brother Dave. And, and last I checked, uh, none of us have ever gone into these chambers in the earth so we have no idea what these creatures look like so yeah he's describing some pretty bizarre weird looking things with awesome power so let's just believe what it says and okay. i'll go on now to well, revelation no, no, before you go on let me bring to there do you realize what they're doing with genetics now people mm. not only did god make those weird creatures hey we're doing it ourselves now. yes absolutely that's the Lord trying to show you. See, 40 years ago, that stuff wasn't even talked about. That's why they told you about that. They said, they, they, with this allegory stuff, that's impossible. Must be, must be helicopters. But today, they can genetically change anything. And they can mix. It's called hybridization. Folks, you ain't got to go far to find out what I'm telling you is the truth. And don't you think if measly fallen man can do it, the supernatural realm done it a whole lot bigger and stronger. You see what I'm saying, Brother David? Absolutely. And they can even rewrite people's DNA? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This, See, folks, if you just took the book Truth for what it said, you'd be covered past, present, and future. You're covered all the way. But you start letting your pride and your own human understanding take it. You start putting it in the preeminent position, even though the Scriptures tells you that there's no Scripture of in private interpretation, plainly. You'd be covered if you take it literal. Continue, Brother David. Okay, Revelations chapter 10, verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. He was clothed with one of those clouds. That's hmm. right. Just keep, just keep. Remember I told you to write it off to the side, folks. Don't forget those clouds. Go ahead, brother. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth. And cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven, and the things that, that therein are, and the earth, and the things that therein are. See, there are yeah, things well, brother, that Absolutely, end. he's going to even tell you later on here about the things under the earth. I mean, it already mm. has. But it's just plain. Yes. And the sea, and the things which are therein, 
that there should be time no longer. Okay. How could there be time no longer, folks? See, this is the end of one rendition of Jacob's Trouble. This is the end of one rendition. There should be time no longer. In the book of Hebrews, it tells you the Lord's going to roll back the firmament and eternity. There will be no more time. There won't be no entropy. None of the, all, every bit of that stuff I ran and screamed about earlier has got to do with these things we're talking about now. That's what I, that's what I keep talking about. Brother Chad and Sister um, Maureen, whenever y'all do listen to this program, you'll understand what I'm saying. This is the way I teach. This has got to do with the Gestalt teaching. Every bit of the, everything that's taught is in the context of the whole Bible. Everything. Everything. With two or more witnesses to back it up, everything is, a, is, is in context with the theme and the context of the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. It's the Gestalt way of teaching. Continue, brother. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel, and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it, and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. Okay. Do you you people know the word of God well enough to understand that there's another person that ate a book? You remember the prophet that that did the same thing? We'll go find it then, okay? Continue on, Brother David. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as it, I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. And you know what? That, the, this book has been ever since the canon was put together. It's been testifying through John writing it down. It's been testifying all through these centuries, all the way up to the present. And if the Lord carries his coming, it'll keep on testifying and prophesying before nations and kings and tongues. That ain't hard to get, is it, Brother Dave? <laughs> no. Okay, next chapter. Absolutely the truth. Next chapter. And there was given me, uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread under their foot forty and two months. So who's treading on the holy city right now? It's it's Gentiles. They oh, call yeah. themselves Jews. Oh, <laughs> of course, of course, but brother. They're not, but yeah, this they're temple, Gentiles. this temple, I want to, do you, you know what the temple of God is today, folks? Do I have to tell you that one, too? 
So I, I, I don't mean nothing mean by what I'm saying, folks, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I don't have any, I, I'm honest to goodness, God knows my heart. I'm talking to some of the, the peers and jeer downloaders, okay? That's who I'm, I have, when I talk and teach, I have to consider all, not only who's in the chat room, but who downloads. There's a few folks download that never come to this program live, okay? So don't take anything per, anything that I'm trying to be mean because I'm not. You know, I, I, I keep saying that because I keep having new folks that come here when I'm live. 42 months, that's three and a half years, folks. That's three and a half years. Don't forget that because it's going to be important. Continue on, brother. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, clothed in sackcloth. Three and a half years. Go ahead. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Where would and you it, find where would you find anything talking about these guys? It's in the book of Zechariah, folks. It talks about the two witnesses and the two candlesticks. They're called the two candlesticks in Zechariah. I've done. I'm not going to spend time now and go and teach who they are. I've, I've taught it before. And when we come back through the book, there's no telling how long it'll t- take us to get through the book of Revelation. But I'll go back through it again and show you who they are according to Scripture by using all the principles of Scripture, not just by one verse out of Hebrews. I'll say this before we move on. A lot of people try to say that they was talking about Elijah and Enoch because it says in Hebrews is appointed under man once to die. Folks, that's, and I'll just tell you this, that's a general statement. That's not an absolute statement. Lazarus died twice. The widow of Nain's son died twice. Paul probably died twice, probably because he was caught up to the third heaven, okay? He was given up for dead. That's just examples I'm using. That's a general statement in the book of Hebrews. It's not an absolute statement. There's a difference. A lot of folks died twice. The folks, the people that the Lord raised from the dead, the ones that Paul raised from the dead, they died twice, folks. So remember that. These two witnesses are Elijah and Moses. That's who they are. Continue on, Brother Dave. I'll, I'll prove it to you with Scripture, in the context, by precept with precept, using the whole Bible, when we come back through this book, verse by verse, brother. Go ahead. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth, proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And okay. if any man... That's okay. Finish that verse, brother. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Okay, you got these two witnesses that are that are teaching and preaching for three and a half years, the time of Jacob's trouble and the problem and, and the wrath of God, folks. I don't know if you caught it a while ago, but back in the previous chapter, it talked about all the worst part happening for five months. That's pro- now. This is my opinion. This is that that's probably. I'm not saying this rock solid. I'm just saying that's what it seems to be the case. The wrath of God is poured, the the pure wrath of God of his indignation is poured out for five months. We're not appointed to wrath. You elect of God are not appointed to wrath. Keep that in mind as we go on down through here. These three witnesses, they come back in immortal bodies. They're not bothered 
to start with. At the very end of their ministry, they are killed. Now, I want you to think of some more immortal beings that were immortal through eons and eons, but God told them that in the end they were going to die like men. Ring a bell, Brother David? Yes, divine counsel. Bingo. That's your typology again. You had to have some, there had to be a point in the scripture where you found an immortal being that had a glorified body of some kind because they've been gone for a long time that could live in the spirit realm, yet in the flesh, and come back and be can be killed. And that's your type, is the angels of the divine council that's going to die like men. That's heavy stuff. That's deep stuff, I know. But you needed to hear it. Okay? Continue on, Brother David. And, um, yes, a warning to churches. Uh, the elect are not appointed to wrath, but Absolutely if you read... Not. In this same book, Revelations chapter 1, we'll see that those leaders of churches who uh, taught the doctrines of Balaam and taught people to fornicate, in other words, mix with other races as well as just normal fornication, and commit adultery, these people will be killed by the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't say they're not going to be saved, but while their bodies on this earth are going to be taken out by him, and it says it clearly. That's right. You remember back, you remember those verses we went through in Luke where it said, bring them before me and they would not have me reign over them, slay them before me? Yes. Ah, see, folks, Mm -hmm. there's scripture to back up everything we're saying in the context of what we're talking about. And it ain't just come down, it's not something that's just popped up just because you hadn't heard it. It's been been taught for over, right at 2,000 years. Continue on, Brother Dave. Yes. Verse 6. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. What prophet do you know that turned the water to blood and smote the land with plagues? Our man Moses. That's correct. Absolutely. Well, Moses died. The Bible says he did. Well, of course it does. Tells you that in the Old Testament. Well, see, now he's dead. Ain't no way he's coming back in the flesh. Uh, Did you forget Jude? Where Michael contested over Satan for the body of Moses? Did you forget about that? Ha, ha, ha. You see, folks, what I'm saying? I'm not pulling this stuff out of thin air, but you got to study the scriptures to see it. You've got to let the Spirit of God show it to you in the book. Continue on, Brother Dave. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Okay. Here's where they die. They die at the end of their ministry. It told you how long they're going to minister up here. Three and a half years. At the end, for for a round number. All right? Gives you the days. Well, right next to the end of it, they're going to be killed. Watch what happens next. This is is my opinion, folks. Like I said before, this right here, what I'm fixing to teach you and talk about now, is my opinion. 
Okay, there may be somewhere else in Scripture that can be taught, but it can be taught differently. But I'm just telling you, this is where at the end of these folks, these guys' ministry, is when we go up. That's my opinion because it's at the very end. It's at least five months, according to the previous chapter, at least five months before the wrath of God is poured out on the rest of the the, the complete wrath of God. Okay. And we are not appointed to that part of that part of wrath. That's the part we're not appointed to. And everywhere through the scriptures, you find the saints all through here. There's a whole book of Revelation. You find the saints. You find believers. Continue on, Brother Dave. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And that's the, ray, that's the way you know that that place over there has something to do with the very end times. You know it does. Because there's only one place that the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. It's called Sodom and Egypt. It's not called the blessed city of our God. It's called Sodom and Egypt at the time this takes place. Pretty bad thing they're called. Pretty bad thing they're called. Because there's going to be a lot of tension placed on that city during the time of Jacob's trouble. You can rest assured. Continue, Brother Day. And they of the people and kindred let me start again. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that so, dwell so what you're going to see, all these people see their dead bodies lay in the streets for three and a half days and then let's see what happens. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. All the folks that it's talking about up here are, are the folks that repented not of their deeds earlier. After everything is poured out on, on this earth, every, listen, see, from this point you've got to remember what the Lord told you in three different books, especially in Matthew 24 and in Mark 13, that this time period that was coming at the very end was going to be a time period worse than it ever has been since the beginning of creation or ever shall be ever again. Let those words sink in. That's when that period, the very end of that time period, is the wrath of God poured out at the very end of that time period. But before the very end, and like I said, five months is what I teach. During the three and a half years, see the first three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week is peaceful for the most part. The last three and a half years is when all hell breaks loose. And the last five months are when, is when God pours out his wrath on everybody else, but we're not appointed to the wrath. So let's see if there's if there's any indication about anybody 
going up in the air, like it talks about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the last seven verses, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Talks about that trumpet again in 2 Thessalonians. Put all those contexts together. Keep that in mind, Brother Dave. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up thither, and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud. In a what? Enemies. In, in a what? A cloud. Ah, yes. In a cloud. They heard a great voice from heaven. Does this sound familiar? Does Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and First Thessalonians chapter 4, does it sound familiar? You remember the voice of the archangel and the trump of yes. God, Brother David? Yes. See and what I'm saying? And meet them. That's right. Do you see what I'm saying now, folks? I'm saying that right here, from this point forward, is when the, the pure wrath of God is poured out upon an unbelieving world. Okay? From this point forward, I teach that here is where we're caught up. Could I be wrong? Yeah, I could be wrong. But you see now how I got to that conclusion. Do, do you not see it, Brother David? Oh, absolutely. It fits very good, very perfectly. Continue reading. And their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand. And the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past, and, behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the third woe, this is where the wrath of God is totally poured out, folks. Totally poured out. Continue reading, brother. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of this world are... The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. This is see, that, the, now all of a sudden, Satan has no rulership no more. He is not the God of this world. He's not the prince of the power of the air anymore. And the Lord, his kingdoms and everything, they come into play right now during this time period. Whatever this time period is, they come into play here. Well, he can't rule and reign the kingdoms on this earth unless he's here. Keep that in mind. See, it, it's common spiritual sense, folks. He's coming back. If This is all part of the second coming. And during that time period, continue reading, Brother Dave. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and the, thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, 
and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. Okay, the temple on this earth is what? Is your body. Know ye not, your bodies are the temple of God. Your body, at first, except first Corinthians chapter 3, folks. First Corinthians chapter 3, the latter part of the chapter. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Godhead, Jesus is the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is Jesus. That's the Godhead, dwells in you. Therefore, your body is the temple of God. If any man destroy the temple of God, him shall God destroy. He's not talking about a brick-and-mortar building. I hate it for all you uh, Judeo-Christian, Jew-loving sapsuckers that believe, though they're going, well, they might build some kind of temple. Don't matter. This this temple here is where is the location of this temple in verse eighteen and nineteen, brother? Is it in, in heaven, heaven or is it on the earth? It's in heaven. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now it says up here in the first verse that there's going to be some kind of temple. Well, is that talking about the temple, a literal temple? See, now this is where you could play it both ways, folks. It, the temple of God, in the very first verse, read the very first verse again. Let me show you how you could read this, folks, okay? Revelations 11, 1. Where we're at, yeah, the first verse yeah. in this chapter. And there was given me a reed, like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. Okay, this could be, this is the way the allegorists will read this. I, hey, I know, I know exactly how they read it. They can say, well, see, since you said the temple of God is us, then this is talking about the mass hordes moving in on all of our people. See, that's the way you could te- that's you could teach it that way, allegorically, metaphorically. You see what I'm saying, brother Dave? Yes. You see how it could be taught that way if you came from that 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 school of thought. What would mm-hmm. keep you from going with that school of thought? What what in that verse would keep you from picking up that mantle and running with it? <laughs> well, I find it hard to see that in there, but. Well, I've done heard them teach it this way to, to read yeah. what I'm saying. It's not no grand yeah, revelation I, of mine. I'm yeah, just saying, it's because it's allegory, yours. allegory, folks, anybody's opinion goes. Anybody's yeah, opinion that, goes. You see what I'm saying, Brother Dave? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, they, they there's have, a, have reason a vivid you, imagination there. Absolutely. Well, there's a reason you cannot take that ver- that verse metaphorically and allegorically. Because the angel measures it with a what, brother? With a reed or a rod. That's right. There ain't no angel running around measuring your body to see if you're overweight or not. That was shit. That and they won't even mention it, folks. I'm telling you, some of y'all, some of y'all have listened to some folks that teach it that way. 
what I just said, about how it's talking about all of our, our white Christian nations and the, all these races running. I've done heard it come out of their mouth. Well, then what about the rod? You just, you just you throw that out about being measured with a rod? Of course you can't. Of course you can't. So back down here in verse 11, verse 18, and I mean verse 18 and verse 19 here in chapter 11, it talks about judgment that he may give rewards to the saints. Does it not, Brother David? Yes, it does. It talks about giving rewards to the saints, and he's going to destroy them that destroy the earth. All that in one verse, in verse 18. Well, what is he talking about? When is this judgment? He's ta- what's this judgment he's talking about? I wonder. Next chapter, brother. Okay. Revelations chapter 12, verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. Wait, a woman clothed. Wait just a second, brother. This is the this is an intermediary chapter right here where it goes back and comes starts fixing to come through again. Go to Revelation chapter 19. Okay. Start reading at verse 1. Okay, verse 1. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. So the judgment of the great whore, Babylon the Great, that wicked city, is done. it's in the past tense. Her smoke's rising up. Continue on, brother. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. And a great voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Okay, the marriage of the Lamb is come. Well, there ain't going to be no marriage without a bride. (laughs) Can't be no marriage without a bride, folks. Think the bride's still down here on this earth at the time this takes place? No. No. How do I know that? Just read that verse again, brother, and then we'll drop on down here and I'll show you what I'm saying. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. So she's ready. Let's see about that. Just go on with verse 8 now. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. 
Oh, my goodness. They're allegorical and metaphorical, and you cannot take them literal. You didn't know that, Brother David. <laughs> I'll just take it as it says. Verse 10, brother. And I fell at his feet to worship, and he said unto me, See thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The wife is there, the elect bride is there, and the reason we didn't come on through the rest of the chapters, folks, is because we'd have come through everything again. We'd have had to go through the destruction of Babylon. But in, in verse 11, here comes the Lord. Go ahead, brother. And also there are all those uh, servants and those go. that fear God. That bingo. That's right, brother. See, that's yeah. the way you have to look at it, folks. That's a separation of the elect bride from the servants, like Brother David said. Continue on. I'll show you more, brother. Verse and we're 11. Go ahead and close for tonight. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Man. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. White linen, white and clean. Where did you just get through reading that? Above, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, how, you, if you're still down here, you can't come back with him, folks. You can't come. You can't. The bride has made herself ready. You can't come back with him if you're still down here on the earth. <laughs> you can't. But right. here we do. The bride. Remember the marriage supper. Every bit of that is taking taken place, folks. Now we're coming back. Continue on because it had. T- Remember in Second Thessalonians, where it ta- or First Thessalonians four, where it talks them that are them that are dead in Christ Jesus shall the Lord bring with them. You remember that, brother David, or do we need to go read it? I remember those that are dead in Christ shall the Lord bring with them. Yeah, they shall rise first. That's right. Meet. The time period in that, folks. Once you get past, once you get past the veil, once you get past into eternity, there is no time. Whatever takes place on the other side of that, that veil, whatever takes place in the other realm, there is no time limit. To think, to, as, like it says in Peter, one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So where the Lord's at, there is no time. And once the angel cuts off all the time down here, it's all going to mix together. It's all going to come together. Then eternity sets in. Continue on, Brother Dave. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. There's your wrath. Continue on, brother. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heaven, 
Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. Okay. That verse right. Come and and bring yourself to the supper of the great God. He talks to the fowls of the air. Do you know what it says in the last verse? Talks about in the last verse in Luke 17, and the context is the second coming, where the eagles are, where the fowls of the earth are, where the eagles are. When it talks about, remember the two, turn real quick to Matthew 25, brother. Okay. Now, if I, if I keep on, see, I can just keep on with this, with the flow of what I'm telling you folks. The scripture is everywhere to back up what I'm saying. You've got, you've got, in 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 uh, Matthew twenty five, you got the vir- all these supposed virgins, and how many of them's taken? Only half of them. Why aren't they taking the other half? Because the spirit of God's not in them. How do you know that? Because their candle's not lit. They didn't have oil for the candle, their lamp. Remember, brother David, when we went yes, through that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. See, folks, everything that I'm teach, everything that I'm talking about fits like a glove. It all paints the picture. It, the picture's there. All I'm doing is filling in the blanks with Scripture. That's all I'm doing. See, once you get what the book's about, then all those open spaces, the Scriptures fill in those open spaces. The context, the precepts, all, Scripture with Scripture, all that fills in the open holes of the, of the overall picture of the overall king and his kingdom. And if it don't fit in, it don't go there. It don't fit in that part. If it doesn't make sense in that context. And that's where people go wrong. That's where they get they would get all out of kilter. That's where allegory will lead you, something that totally doesn't fit in the overall context of the Word of God and the overall words of God. It does not fit. If it don't fit, it can't go in. Therefore, the book's not wrong. You don't have to change the book. What's wrong? Your interpretation of the book. God's Word's never wrong. It it does not contradict. If it seems to contradict, it doesn't. You just had the Holy Spirit hasn't shown you the reconciliation of the Scripture yet. That's what the problem is. It's not the book. In today's period of time, everybody runs to change the book to make it fit what they want to teach. I'm not going to do that. If I have to spend, like I've had to do, like I'm on Ezekiel 40 through 48, all my Christian life, up until the last six or seven years, I had no clue how to fit it in with the rest of the Scripture. Now I do. But it took studying all those years. Here a little in there a little. And the Holy Spirit, they gave me a, a thumbs up on it to be able to teach it. That's why nobody else teaches it, folks. Not literally. They'll teach it allegorically and make it say whatever they want it to say, but they will not teach it Scripture with Scripture literally. And the only way you can teach it Scripture with Scripture literally is exactly the way I've taught you the rest of the Scriptures literally thus far. The only way it can be done can't be done any other way. That's why they don't talk about it. That's why they won't mention it. Continue reading, Brother Dave, and we'll go ahead and close when we get to the end of this chapter. Okay. 
In, uh, <clears throat> and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and white and clean. Oh, I already read that part, sorry. Uh, okay. Verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried uh, with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great day, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the That's beast. good enough. Uh, yeah, just to, I know y'all folks didn't run over there and check me out, so I'm going to check myself out and show you what I was talking about, about where the eagle is and all this stuff about this, this supper. You got two suppers going on, folks. Did you catch that? You got I'm talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb, and here's the supper of God. One's for lost folks. One's for the wicked and one's for the righteous. Remember the thesis, antithesis I've been ta- I've been teaching you for four years. The type, anti-type stuff. The duality it seems throughout the whole scriptures with Christ, antichrist, the whole thing. Go to go to Luke seventeen, brother. Go to Luke seventeen. Okay. Let me get there myself. All right. Go and read the read the last three verses where it talks about the man there'll be in, at that time there'll be one laying in the bed one man you know the, we went over it multiple yes. times brother okay I tell you in that night there shall be two men in one bed the one shall be taken the other shall be left two women shall be grinding together the one shall be taken and the other left two men shall be in the field the one shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Now what did we just get through? You read? Now do you see it, Brother David? Yes. Mm-hmm. Plain as day, folks. But you know what? These folks that he's talking about taking here, it ain't got nothing to do with folks that are righteous. This is the unrighteous that are taken. There is a fake catching away, folks. There always is an antitype to the type. There always is an antithesis, an antithesis to the thesis. It's that way from very, very, very chapter, Genesis chapter 3. It's that way from the very first part of the book. You've got the seed of the serpent, and you've got the seed of God. It follows through. That thesis, antithesis comes all the way through the Word of God. All the way through. It's even so locked down is you got two mentions of Adam. You got two creations. You got one bunch of folks, and then you got the big Adam mentioned. You see what I'm saying, Brother David? Yes, I do. Yes. This is folks, this is play this is the only way it, that it all fits together. Okay. This food, where are these people taken here, it talks about. They're taken to this supper back over in Revelation 19. Great kings, all kind of folks, they're taken there. Where them eagles are. That their flesh is going to be eaten. Why? Because one catching away is for the saints, 
and one catching away is for the unsaved. It's fake. It's delusion. It's going to be one thing. Can't you imagine what would take place if a bunch of folks disappeared? I'm talking about millions, folks, in a in a in a, just one set in a in a short period of time, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, all over the world, all across this plane. Wonderful bunch disappeared. What would you think yourself? Would you re- would you think that something had was wrong with you, or would you know the scriptures well enough to know that some folks are taken? these bunch right here in Luke 17, and they're taken to a bad spot. There's two catchings away, folks. One's bad and one's good. One's for us, one's for the lost. They're going to be a bunch of lost carried to this, this supper of God. And in the all that stuff, it, it, listen, I get all beside myself with this stuff. Because it's going to be engineered, that, that strong delusion, that everybody should believe a lie. Why? Because they believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's not something to take lightly, folks. And all the small delusions and lies that's been promulgated since the beginning of messing with God's Word, and before that, for the last 500 and something years, because people went away from the literal belief in what God said and tried to twist man's teaching to fit the Word of God. I'm telling you how dangerous it is, folks. It's very dangerous. You understand what I'm saying, Brother Dave? Yes, I do. Because the elect of God is going to, they're going to see the truth, folks. You're going, they're going to get that truth. Because you can't not get it. Eventually, it's got to come to you. Why? Because we were chosen before the foundation of the world. And that elect only comes out of God's chosen people. Only. And all those promises, everything Paul talks about, he tells you who the promises are for. It all fits like a glove, folks. Go to the go to the end of the book, Revelation twenty two, brother, and I want you to read about the last six verses, and I'll show you what another one more thing, folks, and we'll go ahead and shut it down for tonight. And this is this is just a halfway teaching. This is not in detail like it should be, because we'd be here for another two hours if it was every scripture complete. Go to Revelation twenty two, brother. Okay, verse sixteen. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Okay, stop just a sec. See, you can't go by that. The bride is standing there with the spirit and the Lord saying, come. Saying, come to who? Continue reading, brother. And let the him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. There's your whosoever wills. They're giving an invitation to somebody other than their self. You don't look in a mirror and point to yourself to come. 
Do you understand what I'm saying, David? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Continue reading. For I, <clears throat> excuse me. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you all. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. I wouldn't be wanting to mess with a book, would you? No, not at all. <laughs> oh, no. I'll take it for what it says straight yeah, absolutely, up. Absolutely, brother. And if I'm wrong, so be it. Praise God either way. Okay? <laughs> if we're wrong about it, hey, we ain't done nothing wrong. We just believe what God said. Amen. Period. Any questions in the chat room? No, sir. Okay. If there's no questions in the chat room, Brother Dave, go ahead and dismiss us. And by the way, folks, I appreciate you being there tonight. And like I said, when we I'm gonna try if Brother David will put the locks down on me and Brother Kevin will put the locks down on me, I'll try to slow down when we come through Daniel and Revelation and go and hit all the verses and ev tie all the context in and everything, okay? And I'll go ahead and admit this. Before we get into the book of Revelation, there's some things there I just don't understand. I still haven't got it, okay? I still don't understand. I ain't never professed to know everything, folks. But it's just what I do know, I know. All right? And you're going to have to, the Holy Spirit with the Word of God out of a King James Bible is going to show me different. If he shows me different, I'll change what I believe. Okay? Don't have no problem with it at all. And apologize for teaching otherwise. But it's going to take that. It's not going to take the opinion of some jackass. All right? It's not going to take the opinion of some allegorical teaching jackass to change my mind about anything in this book. Brother Dave, if you would dismiss us in a word of prayer. Father, tonight we give thanks for this scripture verses that were taught to us tonight. We give thanks that you've showed us many things, and I pray that these scripture verses continue to work in our hearts and minds throughout the week, and that we would search out questions that we have about them or ideas that you bring to us as we pray. And I pray that everyone who is absent tonight, that you would keep them safe wherever they are on their journeys, on their holidays, Lord, that you would protect them and keep them safe and keep them from harm's way and from evil until they return back on Sunday night or Monday night. And we give thanks for this in the name of Jesus, so be it. Amen, amen. And folks, y'all keep Brother Chad and Sister Maureen in your prayers. They are gone to visit um, visit their family. I, I think I remember that in an email. But keep them in your prayers, specifically. Brother Brian ever make it in tonight? Brother Kevin? No, sir. Okay. Well, y'all keep Brother Brian in your prayers as well. And be sure and keep Brother Sergio and Brother Steve and Sister Julie in your prayers. 
Appreciate it very much. And don't forget that specific prayer with Brother David that the Spirit of God will go with him and, and open the door up for him talking with uh, with Laura this, this coming Sunday. Well, if there's no questions, then we'll go ahead and end it for tonight, Brother Dave. And uh, if you if you want to talk about any more about that, just give me a call, Brother. Okay. Okay? Okay. All right, go ahead and give the contact information. Contact right. information for Don Spears Ministry, telephone number 334-397-2333. The email address is joydon1953. That's joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Mailing address 3155 Louisville Street, apartment D1, Clio, Alabama, 36017, Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Brother Dave. Good job. Good job, Brother Kevin. I love you guys, and I'll see you folks, Lord willing and health permitting, this coming Sunday night, and we'll pick it up with John chapter 21, and um, that's going to be an awesome chapter, and I'll mention more about it then. Anyway. Hope you folks have a good weekend. God bless each and every one of you. Love each and every one of you guys. Take care. God bless, brother. See you later. Good night, Pastor Don. Good night, all. Good night, brother. Thank mm-hmm. you.